I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Becoming a better developer is easier than ever. With unlimited resources and the ability to connect with other people, we can learn from other developers. Jess Lee, COO at The Practical Dev, explains how they are building a community to help developers. We talked about how devs are engaging and the type of content they are posting on the platform. Jess also explained the technologies used to build the practical dev. To find out more about the topics of the show, sign up for the monthly newsletter by going to thewomenintechshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jess Lee, COO at The Practical Dev, is joining us today. Jess, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Hi, it's good to be here. Practical Dev, also known as Dev2, is a community that started on Twitter with 121,000 followers. And when I saw it on Twitter, it says in the bio, it helps you become a better developer, maybe. What was the motivation for starting it? So basically, Ben started the Twitter account um, a little over a year ago, and he started it because he was making a lot of nerdy developer jokes, and he realized that his non-technical friends probably didn't appreciate it. So he started the Practical Dev account as an outlet to just talk about code, to sort of laugh at the daily things that developers have to deal with, um, but also to share the things that he was learning with other developers. So initially, it was more about to share these jokes, not exactly sharing tips for development? It was a mixture of both. Okay. He definitely gave a lot of thought about what he wanted the brand to sound like um, and keeping everything on the line between humorous and resourcefulness. And eventually, it didn't just end up being a Twitter account. Now it's a website on its own. And what was the idea of making this an open platform? Yeah, so we, both Ben and I, felt the need for more community amongst developers outside of the existing ones, um, and we wanted a place to be able to share a perspective. So when Ben built Dev2, we really just started it like almost any other blog, but slowly more people were asking to write on it, so we had like a CMS built out for it. And just quickly realized there were a lot of other people out there who shared our perspective, needed more community, wanted a place to share their knowledge. So we built Dev2 to be a very developer-centric place. Yes, and it's very interesting because you say it's now on CMS and people can contribute content to it. Why not use an existing platform like Medium where you can have writers and you can also republish those writers as your own brand? So Medium, we think it's a great platform, but it's a very generalist platform. It doesn't cater to any specific community. And for Dev2, we really focused on what a developer would want out of the site. Um, so we focus on you know, making the site perform extremely fast and just the little nuances, like you know, it's in Markdown, something developers are all familiar with. So we felt like we wanted it to be more directed for developers, and we also collect feedback from developers, and that's something you can't really 
do on Medium. So we have a lot of control over what the site is. And like I mentioned earlier, this is an open platform. I could contribute an article related to development or improving in this area. What has been some of your favorite or useful content that you've seen posted on Dev2? So we actually just came out with a new tag this week, which is explain like I'm five. <laughs> and it's very new, but it's quickly becoming my favorite. So it's basically how you would imagine it to be. You would just create a post and in the title, you just write like explain whatever topic like I'm five. So Ben posted like explain TCP like I'm five. And the reason we did that is because we don't really understand how TCP works. So lots of other people jumped in and gave um, their perspective. Somebody even like framed it as a joke, which was really funny um, because you have to really think about like, how would I explain this to a five-year-old? Yeah. So that's quickly becoming my favorite tag. But uh, if you had asked me, you know, a week ago, I would have said that um, all the articles by this woman named Vidahi has been really amazing. She basically breaks down really complicated algorithms and explains them to you, um, both via text and visually. She draws these awesome diagrams. So um, if you just go visit her page, and I can send you a link later, she'll have like leaf it up to binary trees and you know bubbling up with bubble sorts. So um, she makes it really fun. I know she used to be a teacher so she's like really good at explaining things and I love her articles and for me like I always enjoy reading any article about imposter syndrome and if you just search that in our um, search a bunch of articles will come up for that too. And actually I also like the explain like I'm five because it reminded me there used to be a time when in interviews they would ask you how would you explain a database to your grandma? Oh that's a really good one. When I was at an interview a business development person asked me to explain GitHub to them like they were five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the other one is like your grandma and it's a very interesting exercise because there's words that you're not going to use and you need to find analogies. And it also helps you if you're developing a product to connect with a wider audience because you would know how to explain something to just what they need to know, not the whole technical details sometimes. You have me thinking about that right now and I'm I'm just like, okay, well, a file cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see. So let's talk about moderation. How do you moderate the content that is being posted? Does it go through an approval process or do you flag it if there's something offensive? So there's no approval process right now. Anyone can publish anything and it will live um, under their account name as an article that they've written. But in order to make it to the homepage that is moderated by our team and we you know we get an alert every time a new article is comes through our system and we'll read it and then decide whether or not we want to feature it eventually we'll have to figure a way to scale that out but for now that's been working for features and then it also allows us to flag anything that's inappropriate which we honestly haven't gotten much of which is great and then we also rely just heavily on the community so you can flag any article and submit while you're flagging it and that comes to us like directly into slack everybody sees it so we can check on it immediately so it hasn't really been a problem that you really need to solve because the community itself has been very good 
Right, exactly. And it's something we definitely always think about. So when we first started Dev2, it's intentional that we don't have the option to sign up via email. You can only sign in through Twitter or GitHub right now. And part of that was, you know, we really want to build a safe community where people are supportive of one another. And we feel like some other sites where the communities can get a little bit more aggressive or just hard to enter because you're new or something, um, a lot of it is because people have the luxury of hiding behind anonymity. And so by eliminating, you know, the regular email sign up, that was just one step in trying and just like discouraging people like that. When I was looking at your website, I saw that you created an employee handbook because you wanted to communicate certain values. What were those values that you want to share? So internally, we kept our employee handbook pretty short because we didn't want to like, you know, have just like some ridiculous thing that no one actually reads. And so we ask everybody on our team to just focus on their communication because communication is, is key to just like happy people and successful products. And um, within that, we talk a little bit about being active listeners and giving SBI feedback, which stands for situation, behavior, and impact. And to give both constructive and positive feedback, it's really important. And in general, we just talk about helping one another. Like that's super important in what we do, especially because we're so small right now. Like we don't want any like siloed knowledge. Um, we want people to take the time to help other people um, and that that is worth their time. And the last thing is that we want everyone to feel like this site, like inclusivity is such a priority for our site. And so it's in mm -hmm. our core values that like our culture internally must feel inclusive as well. And, you know, we really want everyone's perspective on, you know, anything ranging from the product to how we handle things internally and that we want everyone to feel like they have a voice. Yes, and one of the ways you can see this is, like you said, in the homepage, there's a main page. You feature certain articles, you know, making sure those are always from different perspective and things like that, I think. So another thing that you have been focusing on is in thinking of the website as a product. What does this mean to you? I think I must have said that a little while ago. Um, I don't remember when I said that exactly, but, you know, initially Dev2 started as a side project for both Ben and I, which means that we're both working full time and really only working on the site, you know, in the mornings, in the evenings, on the weekends. And for a while, it was just, since it was just the two of us, it was us going back and forth on what we thought we should do and everything. But now as we have a team, you know, with us and we have this like foundation built out, we really need to think about each individual component of the website as its own product. And we like now we're just putting a lot more thought into it is probably what I meant at that point. Yes, I feel like now it's a community, but it also has some product aspects. Like you said, you're, you get feedback from the user and, and based on that develop features. So that's kind of a product type of development exactly we have like you know weekly sprint plannings now and we have you know and especially like as the app grows like more bugs will surface so all those things like now have their own little lane and a in like a board and all that 
You're COO of Practical Dev. What are the operational needs for the Practical Dev or for a brand new startup that you have seen? Yeah, so operationally, um, I mean, for a brand new startup, that probably means figuring out like, you know, like anything from like incorporation to how you pay your first hire or any contractors. So those are sort of, you know, any like things with the taxes, expenses and all that stuff. And then as you grow and those responsibilities can sort of be delegated to other people, then it, I think it's a lot about just our internal communication and how the teams are operating internally. Um, that's sort of what I'm looking forward to in the future. As we mentioned at the beginning, Practical Dev started in the social media space on Twitter. Some good marketing strategies that you think for companies that are in this space, the social media space. For social media, I think the most important thing you can do is put a lot of thought into the voice of your brand and what you want it to represent. So for us, the voice was always to be both humorous and resourceful. For, I'm like just trying to think of other brands, but, um, you know, like other brands might be taking a more serious tone. So that's something I think for social media specifically is something you need to give a lot of thought to. Let's talk a little about growth strategy. Was there an explicit growth strategy for practical dev? Sure. Yeah. For the Twitter account, I think it was always a delight that people enjoyed our content, um, but it was also really helpful to have a lot of early sort of adopters, um, people who were more influential than us retweeting and liking our content. Um, so making connections with, with those influencers were, were important. Yeah, we don't do any like ads or anything like that at all. In, in part of the humorous portion of Practical Dev, there's this O'Reilly book parodies. Can you tell me a bit about these? Yeah, um, I think... So honestly, Ben actually started that before I joined him on Practical Dev. So it's really just... I mean, a lot of the covers, you know, like the classic copying and pasting from Stack Overflow... Yes. That is just something that, like, I would not believe a single developer if they told me they never did that. <laughs> so, a lot, I mean, it's all basically like our own like life experiences. I think the other day I was telling Ben that we like were missing a test or something and that we really needed to like get more test coverage. And I think he actually made a cover like the next day, like maybe passive aggressively towards me or something. Um, so it's really just sort of like what we've had to deal with that other people have. And yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, this O'Reilly books that are very popular in the community, they have, you know, from very different areas like distributed systems, Angular, and their feature always an animal, right? Right. On the yeah. cover. Yeah. Okay. So these book parodies, they, they also feature an animal. They look similar to the books, but the titles, they're just very humorous, very funny. Yeah, I can um, send you some if you want to stick it in there too. Yes, I'll add one to the post. And I want to talk more about the website as a product. Okay. And you've contributed to the code base. So I'm just curious what 
technologies are being used for the website? Yeah, so we are a rail shop with a vanilla um, front end. But I think probably the service that we rely on the most would be Fastly for caching so that we reduce latency on the site for our visitors. And that's probably like the biggest thing. Otherwise, we have a, you know, a bunch of other services that we use to like power our search engine and, and stuff like that. And your formal college background is actually in music and business. And later on, you join a boot camp. Was it easy for you to get started with programming? Yeah, um, I've also heard that there are similarities between musicians and programmers. Um, and I imagine part of it just has to be with like the way our brains work. At least like for a pianist, we're dealing with a lot of concurrent um, concepts happening all at once. And, you know, then there's like the very basic, you know, like, oh, well, we like for piano, at least it's like, oh, you're like, I can type really fast because I can play the piano really fast. Um, but and, um, in terms of transitioning to programming, it was pretty seamless for me uh, because I was always interested in it, you know, like from customizing my live journal or Zanga site when I was younger to like attempting to start a music blog or like thing on like Wix or something. So I've played with a lot of CMSs and I was always drawn towards it, but no one ever really told me what programming was and I never really thought about it. Like even thinking of looking back on it now, like I don't think there's a single like woman programmer that graduated from my high school. Like the concept of having a career in computers was just non-existent when I was growing up. So yeah, I've always like, to me, like making websites was like fun and I was like playing. But then I went through a period where I noticed that all developers were like treated as first class citizens. And it sort of dawned upon me, I was like, how come like I can't do that? But then I, I still didn't like yeah. fully understand what it meant to be a developer. Um, but since I've always played with CMSs, I started like making like freelance websites for friends, but like on Squarespace and like I didn't do any custom templates, but to me, like that felt like building a website until I finally realized, oh wait, like how do you actually build Squarespace? Like what I'm doing isn't building a website. I'm just like dragging and dropping. Like how do I build the functionality that, you know, lets this computer, this website understand like to understand what the dragging and dropping even means. And so like with those two things happening at the same time, I uh, decided to enroll myself in a boot camp. And how do you feel it compares, you know, what you worked on in the boot camp versus the Dev2 website? It's definitely very different walking into an, well, into an app that's a lot bigger. So like Ben had already stood up the site when I started working with him and at the boot camp, they don't teach you how to read an existing code base. So that was probably the biggest difference. But yeah, I mean, in general, it's so much more gratifying to work on a site that's out in the world with people using it. Well, like you said, in, in the boot camp also, you know, you start building an app or a website, but you don't have the challenges of having to serve a certain number of users and you might need to re-architect some of the things because of the number of users you're dealing with. Well, like you mentioned, using Fastly as CDN because you have users all over the world, things like that. Yeah, there is, I mean, there's so much for me to learn because like, you know, 
Ben is definitely the more technical person of our trio. So I guess... It, yeah, it's definitely very different. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good that it's a small team also, so everybody knows what's going on. Exactly. And you also work on the managing and operations side and finances. What are some of the tools that you're using for this? The biggest tool that we use to help us is JustWorks. Um, they handle all of our payroll related items which is like just amazing because I don't know I probably wouldn't be coding at all if I if I had to deal with that stuff yeah but otherwise like we're still pretty much like in spreadsheet world when it comes to dealing with our finances and expenses I've heard really good things about Expensify which um if we eventually do start sending people out to like more conferences and stuff I'm sure that'll come in handy but right now it's still pretty old school. Are there any main resources that you used to learn about this side of management, operations, and finances? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of just searching on the internet, but I would recommend checking out Y Combinator's startup school video courses. They have a bunch of videos online just speaking to entrepreneurs about what you need to consider when starting a business. So they'll walk you through the differences between like an LLC versus a C Corp or an S Corp. Um, and then like talk to you about the timing of it. They'll tell you whether or not, you know, you really need a lawyer for what you're doing or if um, you can use a site like Clerky instead to handle the paperwork stuff. I sort of wish I had that resource before we did a bunch of the stuff that we did, um, but I still watch them for just educational reasons. And these are the ones where they invite some of the former founders, right, of the Y Combinator companies? Yeah, they do, that too. But um, I think Sam Altman is in most of them. Yeah, because I think I heard one of them, and it's very interesting to hear them because they're from a couple of years ago and to see where the company is now. For example, one of them was with the CEO of Homejoy, this company that would send people to clean your house and do cleaning tasks. And that company no longer exists. Right. <laughs> so for me, it's very interesting to see, oh, what what's on her mind and like, oh, that didn't really translate right. because the company. So it's, it's also very good for historical, you know, looking back. Oh, definitely. Well, Jess, thank you for coming on the show. It was great talking to you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.